Coming up on This Week in Games, Jam City is fundraising after cutting staff. Playtika is avoiding high CPIs via acquisition. And Activision Blizzard is getting investigated, but by its own investors. Coming up, This Week in Games. Hello everyone, it's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host Eric McConnell, and this week I've decided to lower the number of stories I cover. (laughs) I think honestly, I'm covering too many random stories that are pretty meaningless. Who cares if Sony buys an audio maker or anything? And frankly, me shitting on Star Citizen every week for being a possible money laundering platform really does nothing for you guys. So with that being said, let's get started. Law firm Pomerantz LLP is investigating Activision Blizzard on behalf of its investors. That's not a good sign. So specifically, investors are accusing Activision Blizzard and its senior leadership of committing securities fraud. So little has been released as to what it's related to, but it's kind of hinted that it's the Activision Bungie split and the 7% stock price nosedive that happened after the announcements. Very easy to read between the lines here. So investors are accusing Activision Blizzard leadership and C-Suite of dumping their stock at the full value before announcing the split happened, hence the securities fraud. If you know that some bad news is coming, you haven't announced the bad news, and you dump all your stock and then announce bad news, well, guess what? The SEC is not going to be happy. However, it's very well could be true. It's hard to prosecute, hard to prove. I rarely see follow-ups to these stories, so I don't really know if we'll ever get like a sound ending to it. However, investors are pretty pissed because if you hire an expensive law firm to do investigations and then you actually make a public statement about about it, that's that's really bad. Like you're actually going to nosedive the stock even more than it already took a hit. So pretty pissed investors. I wouldn't blame them though. I mean, Jesus, securities frauds, Activision C-suite, not looking good. All right. A third wave of Chinese game licenses. And can I get a drum roll? Still no tense in Ernetti. So 93 more games get licensed, and China gives a continuous fuck you to its biggest publishers. I mean, who knows uh, Who knows if Netties and Tencent will ever get to release a game again in China. And uh, that's unfortunate. But, you know, I'm sure another giant publisher with big old C-suite seats waiting for that Communist Party will roll out soon enough. And another big news of the week, Netflix mentioned Fortnite as one of its biggest competitors in an earnings call. So Netflix acknowledges the gaming mega hit Fortnite as its main rival and not HBO Go. Very interesting. So, I mean, this isn't a very big story. I just wanted to call it out because, you know, in the world of on-demand entertainment, all visual entertainment competes with each other. So whether Nintendo and EA should be wary of like some big, long streaming season on Netflix, that'll cause everyone to quit playing their games for a week. HBO and Netflix should also be worried about viewers finding more joy in games as a service games and kind of Twitch streams that follow on with that than in their new hit series. So 
I guess in the past, you know, you had to wait for a show to air. Everyone had tuned into like one of the major television channels like CBS or NBC on a certain night in a certain week. And you didn't have very many games as a service. So these things didn't conflict. Now, I mean, what's the difference between, you know, me playing Smash Brothers or me watching Bird Box, you know? All right. Bigger news in the business world. Jam City secures $145 million in funding for growth and acquisition. So sounds like Jam City wants to increase its war chest and raises $145 million. It's kind of strange. It got it from a number of banks. It was led by J.P. Morgan Chase and then also Bank of America Merrill Lynch jumped in, Silicon Valley Bank, SunTrust Bank, and CIT Bank all jumped into this fundraising. I guess the banks are doing this for what, like their mutual funds, their index funds? Like what the hell are they investing in Jam City for? Banks love Jam City, I guess. Very interesting though, because recently Jam City announced their monster deal with Disney. I think they basically get all the Disney IP for mobile games. They announced a new Toronto studio, one of which will likely manage a Disney studio that will be handing off its game to Jam City. And then it also announced massive layoffs in December that greatly affected the San Francisco, San Diego, and L.A. studio. So it's been a kind of like weird message um, from Jam City. For those of you who don't know, Jam City is a mobile developer. They develop Harry Potter, Hogwarts Mystery, Cookie Jam, and Panapop, all three of which uh, dart in and out of top 20 grossing games on mobile. Cookie Jam and Hogwarts Mysteries generally are top 10-ish games. Um, I don't know. I haven't checked in a while. It's pretty interesting. It's a lot of money. I don't know what they're doing, but I assume a lot of it's going to Frozen 2. So Frozen 2 is coming out. I think it was like Disney's biggest hit ever. And the sequel's coming out this year. Jam City has the exclusivity to the Frozen 2 video game, whatever the hell that might be. And uh, I'm sure Jam City is going to dig deep into their new best friends or IP best friends in Disney. So they're probably developing a bunch of games. $145 million is still a ton. Um, when they say it's for growth and acquisitions, I can't wait to see who Jam City is buying up next. And speaking of buying up, Playtika acquires Austrian developer Super Treat. So following up their acquisition of Wooga and Jelly Button in 2018, Playtika purchases the developers behind the number four grossing card game on google play super treat and you know i really like this story because it's more than meets the eye so what play tika is doing is straight out of the zynga playbook and it's a great indicator for the market so super treat develops solitaire grand harvest and like i said it's the number four grossing card game on google play um i assume it has a giant amount of users because these games rarely monetize through like an in-app purchase um, like you would have in Candy Crush Saga when you lose a level and you pay to reattempt it because it's solitaire. And these games also don't monetize on kind of loot boxes like, you know, uh, Fortnite or anything. So these games probably generally monetize on ad viewing. So for them to be a number four grossing card game, they have to have a monster amount of players <laughs> to get to that level of grossing which is ads. So Playtika is mostly known for social casinos. You know, it was sold by Caesars Entertainment. That's the big casino company in 2016. And why this is important is there's an actual overlap between players who play casual card games and players who play social casinos. Okay. And so 
when Playtika buys Super Treat, it kind of shows that the CPIs, which is the cost per installs for social, social casinos, is so high that it's actually worth it for them to just buy up outright um, social or casual card game companies and then try to offload those users into their social casinos, then pay for the CPI. So a CPI is generally like an ad, an interstitial, something in another game or in another area that leads to you a user installing that game. Now, social casinos are known for having the highest CPIs and along with the other category being like war, war strategy games like Clash of Clans or Game of War. So those two categories, social casinos and war strategy games, highest CPIs of all the games. That's because you have the highest payout because if you think about it, you can endlessly dump money into a social casino and effectively you can pretty much endlessly dump money into a strategy war game. So what Playtika hopes, like I said, is that they can upsell and offload enough of Solitaire Grand Harvest's users to make the purchase worth it effectively saying if we get whatever x percent of all these solitaire users to install our game and then we make another y percent of those people payers and so on and they do a bunch of calculations and they realize hell it's worth it to just buy this company and offload it then it continue to pay the very high cpis from like facebook or google or other companies very interesting indicator i do think though this type of thinking is good for the game industry because at this point this will mean more game companies will pop up because they see that game companies are getting acquired and because they see that game companies are getting acquired, more VCs and investors will pay into those game companies hoping that they themselves get acquired for this type of stuff. So really, this is really good news around. It's way better than just paying some insane CPI of 20 or $30 per user. So yeah, good job, Playtika. <laughs> and I guess now we know that uh, social casinos is rough out there. All right, this story is a pretty weird one. Um, Baiju, I'm probably not saying that right. Baiju's acquires educational game developer Osmos for $120 million. Jesus Christ. All right, so Baiju's is also known as the Think and Learn Private Limited Company, has bought Osmos, which is formerly known as Tangible Play, in an all-stock deal. So TechCrunch broke this story. They also claim Osmos declined a smaller all-cash all option, which means that Baiju's evaluation of $4 billion is probably pretty solid for Osmos to take an all-stock option. This play was mostly for Osmos's users, which age range from about three to eight years. So Baiju can expand its new user base for personalized learning platforms. So Baiju's is kind of like a learning platform. They do a lot of things with like iPads and tablets and other stuff. Try to teach kids stuff, whatever. Osmos is mostly known for educational games and mainly games that involve toys that interact with tablets and phones. Probably have some kind of chip on them. It's really hard to believe an educational game company is worth this much. The education, the educational game space has a history of never delivering a hit. Okay, <laughs> never delivering a hit. And it seems educational games are constantly sold on this promise that one day kids will want to learn math if some alien is asking them to do 8 times 5 instead of the teacher they hate. But I'll tell you a little secret because my parents bought me a bunch of educational games when I was a kid hoping that I would stop playing Final Fantasy Tactics and play some stupid game where an alien tries to teach me advanced words. Kids hate learning no matter how you dress it up. Okay, If a kid can sniff learning in the game... They will actually hate it, okay? If a kid thought Minecraft 
was going to tell them how to do addition, they would quit playing, okay? You can't dress up educational games. You can't sell educational games. I really don't think it'll ever happen. No kid's going to be trying to learn trigonometry instead of play Fortnite. It's just how the world works, people. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm a bad person. I'm sorry. I had to say it. All right, next up. Follow-up story from last week. It is confirmed Nexon is up for sell. So Kim Jong-ju is preparing to sell his 98.64% of Nexon stock. And I was right, at a $9 billion valuation. So PE firms KKR, TPG, and Carlisle are looking to team up with American publishers to purchase the company. Now, I don't know if they're working together or if they're each separately trying to purchase the company. But man, pulling together $9 billion... Gosh, what KKR is known for the Nabisco. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're the PE firm that's known for buying Nabisco back in the late 80s. They even made an HBO movie about it. But man, oh, the movie's called Barbarians at the Gates, by the way. Pretty good. Go check it out if you're interested. $9 billion for a PE firm and an American publisher. I don't see the value. The only publisher who could really fork out that money is probably Activision Blizzard. I don't see what they do with Nexon users. Like, Nexon doesn't have mega hits that they could offload in them. I mean, maybe Diablo Immortal. You could offload all these uh, South Korean MMO players into Diablo Immortal when it releases in China, Japan, and South Korea. I don't know. I don't see $9 billion. I don't know who's going to buy them. I'm going to predict at this point probably going to be what? What do you guys want to say? SoftBank? SoftBank's probably the closest one. I don't know. $9 billion for Nexon. Hard one. Nexon makes most of its money from uh, Dungeon Fighter and MapleStory, two games which look and play anciently. So, I don't know. I, I did more of this story last week. Very weird. $9 billion for those two games. <sighs> Can't see it. All right. Next up, Take-Two re-ups their NBA contract. Nothing much to this story. So Take-Two is paying $1.1 billion for its second biggest cash cow, NBA 2K, for another seven years of exclusivity with the NBA. I don't really know how this contract is dealt. Um, if you guys remember way back in the day, all of these companies used to have their own NBA games. So like I think it was like 989 Sports, EA, Take-Two, everyone had an NBA game, everyone had an NHL game, everyone had a football game, um, and then every league started doing exclusivity deals with a single developer and publisher, so Madden, uh, Madden and EA got NFL, and Take-Two got NBA, so $1.1 billion gives them that for another seven years. It, they have to do it, so... And when I say they have to do it, I'll put it this way. If I remember correctly, one year, Take-Two... One year, Take-Two's uh, um, kind of earnings call for the whole year, NBA 2K's Dream Team feature, which is just a gotcha machine, kind of like with uh, RPG mechanics where you just get better players from a gotcha machine, was responsible for 49% of all of Take-Two's revenue. That one mechanic in NBA 2K was 49% of all of Take-Two's revenue. They have to pay $1.1 billion. They have no other choice. The NBA could probably just keep upping it. I mean, take two at this point. They're propped up by, what, Rockstar and NBA 2K. So, good for NBA. Sorry, take two. Uh, we should check out the stock next week and see how it's doing after that news. And to round it up, 
I'll do a little people news. Hi-Rez founder and CEO Erez Gorin is stepping down. Not a not a terrible story. So he'll be replaced by Stuart Chisholm, the VP of operations. So reading Erez's report, it seems he planned this the whole time and he doesn't really come off as wanting to be CEO. He kind of acknowledges that, you know, it's better for this other guy to run it. And yeah. He just seems pretty content as being the founder and probably chairman of the board at Hi-Rez. Hi-Rez had, I think, a record year for revenue growth. You know, Smite and Paladin seemed to had made a turn. Um, the studio wasn't doing that well a while ago. I think they even laid off a lot of people. Now they seem to be in a right momentum, so good for him. You know, it's always good to see CEO step down and pass the reins on to someone within the company. Stuart Chisholm has been with the company since 2008. Like I said, he was VP of operations. Now he has a different title. I couldn't find it, but he mainly goes with Hi-Rez's publishing wing. And I think Hi-Rez is betting a lot on their future in publishing. So makes sense and uh, good job. All right, guys, that's it. This Week in Games, I'm Eric McConnell. I'll see you guys next week.